everyone. Welcome to Political Showdown. I'm your host, Anthony Delgado. Uh, and today we have Catherine Damari. Hi, I'm Catherine. I'm going to be arguing the liberal side of the argument today. And we have uh, an alias only known as Big Bird. Hello. I like my identity secret, but I'll be, I'll be uh, rooting for the right wing side being the voice for them. Mm. So this is our first episode. Very exciting. I'm glad uh, anyone listening is listening. Uh, so let's kick this off, shall we? So due to, due to recent protests, violent and nonviolent, uh, from the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, in, in reaction to George Floyd deaths, but uh, as they claim over 400 years of uh, systematic oppression, uh, which is undoubtedly recorded in history, uh, what would you, um, Big Bird, have to say to that? Well, what I have to say about that is that a lot of the, a lot of the problems that the black community faces today, it's something that is a modern problem, not something that you can link back to Jim Crow or slavery. I'm not saying that they don't have a it's not saying that it had a um, part in it, which any any co- any group has a, of course a linkage to their past. But problems nowadays, such as single motherhood, high crime rates, high uses of drugs, are something that have come in recent generations rather than before, and and has no linkage to Jim Crow or slavery. So, a lot of these points that the Black Lives Matter tend to bring up are are not really based on anything that we can qualify that are nowadays. You can look at people like Thomas Sowell or the person like I'll read t- today's article would be Professor Williams, E. Williams, Walter E. Williams, who are basically other, who are themselves, I'm not going to tokenize them. I'm just saying, I'm just saying them, their names because they have done professional evidence in this field on how black, black problems that black communities have today have nothing to do, have not really much to do with slavery and Jim Crow, but more of modern problems, which is due to the culture of, culture of decay, which is something America is facing as a whole right now. So if I were to sum up what you're trying to say about that, it would be the the Black Lives Matter movement has their focus wrong. The, the problem is the, uh, the way yes. Black portraying themselves now and America as a whole, as you claim. Yeah, as I'm, as I'm pointing down, this is a... This, I'll sum it up in my sense that America is in an overall decay and Black Lives Matter is just wrong in what they say because we all because we know through their political biases that they have a greater agenda than what they proclaim. Right. Now, Damari, do you have anything to say to that? Because I can't just have you quiet over there. Um, well, just in generally, just generally speaking about Black Lives Matter, I do think that it is a deeply important movement and I do think that it is accurate to say that the racism that they're pointing out now can be traced back to slavery and can be traced back to the Jim Crow era of this country, especially considering the fact that a lot of the things we have today, for example, um, the police system are things that Black Lives Matter are focusing on. They're claiming that it's a system that is racially biased um, just inherently and what backs that up is that the prisons, the police was something that was created after the end of slavery in order to get these former slaves back in prison. And you see in, as time has passed, obviously we have come a long way from where we were since slavery, since the Jim Crow era, but even in um, the civil rights acts that were passed in the sixties after Jim Crow, 
none of it ever really kind of was completed. Their goals were never met. There was always a lot of people in government who could find loopholes um, to continue to oppress people of color. And I just think that it's something that is so evident in every section of government, specifically the fact that people of color, specifically black people, because obviously we're focusing on Black Lives Matter, they're just consistently, consistently more of them under the poverty lines. And that is something that I don't think you can just attribute to, oh, um, it's how it is now because we're in a general decay. I think it's something that you can point to like redlining or um, segregation, de facto segregation. So I think that it is a big issue. And I think that Black Lives Matter is right in finding the origin of the problems in the beginning of our country. Now, I'm not going to deny to you that Black Lives Matter is an important movement. But what happens is, is that when we look at, for instance, crimes nowadays in the United States, we have very big different differentiations. Like, this, isn't a, this isn't a sense of um, police uh, looking for blacks committing crimes. These, these are convicted and, they, they're, and they're known to have it. For instance, um, if you look at the crack versus, crack versus cocaine debate in which they say that cocaine is a white dominant drug and they get less sentences and then crack is a black dominated drug and they, and they get more sentences. They would say something like that as a sense of that's racism. But actu- in actuality, it's not because what happens is that they isolate the sentence, sentence instead of actually expanding on it and showing that meth, which is also a white dominated drug, gets the same amount of sentences as crack. So you sort of have this idea, you sort of have this cherry picking of evidence to make it seem like the system itself is racist. When in actuality, you can, when in actuality, um, it's very well known that if you come from a single parent household, you're doomed or not, you're doomed or several times more likely to commit more, to commit more crimes. And when you realize that 70% of the black families are in single parent households, it's no wonder they commit roughly around half the murder rate. It's just, it's a, it's just what happens when there's no, um, father in the house. Now, one, I'm sorry, Demari, go. Oh, I was just going to say, in terms of the fact that there is, that it's obvious that that's why Black people commit so many crimes statistically and that it is cherry-picking, I, I mean, I disagree in terms that there are a lot of things that lead minorities in particular to commit more crimes, specifically the fact that almost the majority of okay so in this country there is a lot of poverty the poverty rate is 23 percent and out of that 21.4 percent in that 9.1 million is black people is people of color so there is just a, a natural way that they are always under the poverty line they're more likely to be in underprivileged neighborhoods. And it, it's just so much more likely for someone to go into crime if that is the case. I don't, I mean, I'm sure that it is true that, um, that when you come from a single household, you are more likely to go to crime. But that's true for any time that you're just happen to be a little bit poorer. You, have, you go more into the poverty line. And the reality, the reality is that white people have 20 times more wealth than African-Americans and that's just that's something that you can look at across the country. So at a certain point, you can't just blame it on, oh, they have one parent or, oh, it's because that's just how black people are. It's because you put them in, situ- in 
um, situations where they're more underprivileged and for them the only way of life would be crime it's not their fault necessarily it's it's part of a system that has just been oppressing them for hundreds of years well i would like to add to that point that when you bring up that blacks are forced in the situation i would like to bring up the fact that we have that if you were to look at the black as a whole the black people like the, the people that live here that are black as a whole and you were to break them into groups you'd realize that if you were to break in africans from africa that have migrated here in recent years they make more they make more on average and get accepted into colleges far higher than whites do. Jamaicans make twice as much money as the blacks here do. And you can and one of those main factors is due to the hard work ethic and their family. They racism has not stopped these people. Neither, but if we were to look at other people who have been discriminating in the US, for instance, the Chinese. There's all, the Chinese, as we know as we know from all statistics or just any Asians in general, they make more, they make a lot more average than the whites do, and they and they are very successful despite being all, despite being um, discriminated against. One of the instances would be the Chinese Exclusion Act, and they've made and even Harvard nowadays is discriminating against Asians, in which they're making it harder for them to get into, get into their universities and such. So if you tell so when you when I when I get when I get told that. The blacks are in this position because of the years of uh, discrimination. I I do understand where they're coming from, but there is there's so many. But that that makes sense when you isolate there these specific African Americans that have been living here forever, and you isolate them instead of looking at the broader scale of all the people that have been um, discriminated against. Look at the if you if you were to to divide it and you were to realize that all these groups. This, whether they're whether wherever they're from, all come out with different um, results, and we can boil down the failures to very simple things such as family structure and just culture in general. Um, well, I don't think. I mean, I agree that, um, yeah, Asian people as well as Hispanics and. Mormons and Jewish people, they have been discriminated against a lot in this country. Um, and Irish. A lot. And Irish people as well. And it's not just, like, it's not um, exclusive to just uh, people of dark skin. It's, it's kind of a universal thing, almost just minorities in general. But I don't think that you can compare it to the oppression that Black people have faced. And to your point of the fact that a lot of black people from other countries come here and do become successful and are able to make wonderful careers for themselves. Yes, that is very, that, that's true. That happens a lot. And it does happen a lot that Asian people become very successful and they, um, they are even having more money than white families, Asian families. And that's true, but it doesn't change the fact that for African-Americans who are born in this country and are raised in this country, for them to get out of, for example, their less fortunate neighborhoods, um, they have to be exceptional. To be black in this country and to get out of your hometown, let's say something like that, you can't just be as good as the next white person or as good as the next Asian. You have to be insanely exceptional because there are just there is just racism everywhere. There is no way that you can deny that. It just there's so many 
Um, Define exceptional. Exceptional. Um, you t- you listen to stories of, for example, in universities. I can't. The name is losing me right now. Um, but you can't just be as good as the white person next to you. You can't just be as good as the other student who's next to you. You have to be incredible. You can't just have like a 3.5 GPA, let's say in high school, you have to have a 4.0. You, to be well, black. You, if, oh, well, no, go ahead. again, I'm, I'm going to the exceptional part because when you tell me that you have to be exceptional, that's a very vague term because exceptional could mean a lot of things. Whether that means socially, intelligently, or just, or a mixture of them. It, or financially it's just when someone says exceptional you have to you have to really make this concrete because if you were to look at situation a lot of americans are in or just blacks in general it the average black woman has a baby at 18 it is it's shown that if you were to graduate high school not have ki- not have kids in high school or my, my bad graduate high school and have kids at a young age or t- or and have a positive debt or po- not positive, but positive credit. Let's say that you would that it would it would be very easy to enter the middle class. Or what happens is that you have a lot. We have a large number showing that that this sort of idea of holding with them of the culture of themselves withholding doesn't. They don't tend to do it. They tend to get pregnant at eighteen. They can tend to make a lot of bad life decisions at early age. Oh, yeah, but we have to also consider that. If you look at how bad the blacks were treated in the history, so were the Irish. I, I'm not. I'm, there's been. It's been shown that the Irish lived to be around 18 when they came to America because of the, how harsh the living conditions were. The slaves in the South lived to be around 36. So when it comes to rough life, like rough living conditions, I think the Irish match it. Every, in fact, if you were to look at how bad the Irish were treated back in Ireland. Their population back then was higher than it is now. Their population back then used to be 10 million, but now it's 7 million. They've, been, they've, been living, they've lived through horrible events. That, and we can look at, we can really, you, can re, you can really compare the Irish in Ireland and to the Irish in America and contrast it to. If you look at the Irish in, in Europe, for instance, they have the lowest IQ in Europe. But if you look at America, it's actually risen. Showing that despite the discrimination and as, as a lot of Americans like to put it, hard work and putting in, the, putting in the time and effort and actually working hard does in fact get you somewhere. But, it, it, but, you, have, but you can't make excuses. And that's what happens when you have a lot of these, for instance, BLM and such, is that th- there's a lot of excuses being made on behalf of crime such as murder the murder rates at 50 percent and they're th- and they make up 13 percent of the population 50 percent 13 percent of the population that's a drastic number in fact i you can look at those crime statistics i have on the fbi board it's drastic they whites don't even make up a vast majority of the u.s they make up around 60 to 70 percent and they're shrinking at this rate so the, so if and you have to, we have to keep in mind that when we look at the white population compared to the black population, on average, blacks are ten years younger. And on average, the 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 white they don't live the average white person doesn't live in urbanized community. They, they live all around. So and a lot of blacks don't live in urbanized communities. 
So we have to really consider what these mean because statistics do show it, and it doesn't tell you. It doesn't tell us everything, but it gives us a good number. Well, as much as I mean, of course, I will never deny the the struggle that Irish people had to endure when they first came to this country. That obviously is very well documented and very true. But I again don't feel it right to compare it and put it on the same level as the discrimination that black people have had to go in this country. And also going back to what you were talking about. of I don't see why not. Um, I'm sorry. It's okay. Going back to what you were talking about of um, how an average woman in high school is much more likely to become pregnant at 18, things like that. That again has a lot to do with the fact that the majority of black people have been or black families in this country have been sectioned off into these less um these lesser neighborhoods with high schools and education systems within these neighborhoods that are much less funded that have a much lower quality of education they're not getting the same quality of education that a person in an average white neighborhood would get or in a bigger city where the majority of the population is white and so if you're not giving them that state education specifically when it comes to getting pregnant you're also not giving them the same sex education you're not giving them you're not giving them the same access to contraceptives or even teaching them about contraceptives that's something that can be looked at and blamed on our education system and the reality is that if you come from a lower income neighborhood you probably go to a lower income school and it is much more likely for you to come from a lower income neighborhood if you're black i mean the estimated like medium wealth for a black household is $35,000 while the white is $150,000. At a certain point, you just can't say that it's because black people don't work as hard as white people. At a certain point, you have to realize that it's a pattern that yes, it's gotten better since Jim Crow, but it's never evened up. And so it does have its roots in that. May I I make my point now? May you. Okay. So when it comes to the Irish and the black, is I would now they're not the exact same, but they've been through horrible events. So I think it is fair enough to if I had if you had to make a comparison, because in reality you just can't isolate a group. No matter how different they are, we're people. We compare everything, regardless if they're similar or not. So that's just that's just how we compare things. Second of all, when it comes to education in the black community, by the time you're eighteen, you understand. And it, by the time you're 18, we live in the age of information. We know what we know what what get, will get someone pregnant or not. Third, third of all, we know that charter schools, whether they're, whether they're in a black community or a white community, is very is is great for them. And we've we they've shown this. They've shown this in New York where they would have a a three story school, and on the top it was a charter school, and they would ha- and they would have it so that they they had to hide the fact that it was charter school on top. All the kids that went to the charter school would, would pass with flying coast, and all the kids that went to public school were would be would not do well. And it's not that we don't spend enough money on education. Education we've been spending more and more every year. We have we have seen no results and nothing that has shown that our money is being used wisely. Or that be the teacher unions. Or just no. I'm sorry to interrupt, Big Bird, but when you say uh, our money, you you are referring to taxes, right? Because I don't think the word yeah, taxes, taxes was mentioned. So you, you could taxes. be paying for a, you could be paying for a private school, and you know. yeah, I meant yeah, I meant I meant taxes. My uh, sense. I thought because... you were going that direction, but I think it's kind of important you say that kind of thing. 
Okay, so taxes and such. Charter schools have been shown to be to work well, and there's a one thing called the Harlem method, which which is a great, which they make a great statement where they say, when it comes to educational excuses, that has worked flying colors, and the black community because they the 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 blacks that go to charter schools in poor neighborhoods will score higher scores than white kids that go in rich neighborhoods and rich neighborhoods. So it shows that worth ethic. And just having the, having the right strength, having the right probability, prop not probability, I'm making up words at this point, but you get, you, I'm just trying to make a point. The right cap, that the right capability will set people in a good direction. It's that, they don't, it's that the people that the blacks tend to vote in, such as the Democrats, are against charter schools and against sort of these, all these things because it's, it's what it's what they're running because they have interest and they don't want to upset those people who have interest in them. Um, even if I mean, of course, yes, I know about the, there's a lot of controversy controversy surrounding charter schools in this country, and it's a very divisive issue as well. But again, there is just so much. I mean, you're saying that going like to start from the beginning of what you were talking about. Um, you say that we live in the age of information and that at 18 you should know what gets you pregnant you should know. or that most people do. But that is just assuming that it's... everyone has wait, wait. access to that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Over, ni- over, the, the, okay, over 90% of people in America, whether they're poor or rich. What were you saying? Sorry about that, everyone. Um... Uh, Big Bird got disconnected for a moment. Big Bird, if you want to continue your your statement, I don't even remember where I was. I don't uh, remember where I was either. I think we're talking about charter you were, schools. You're referring to to the the public and the public school system and how charter schools are more effective. Uh, yeah, yeah. and I, oh yeah, and I was talking about um how like the average person by the age of twelve is watching pornography, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think you know that's just what it is. That's a fact. They're looking. So, and it's oh again ninety over ninety percent of people rich or poor are, are have phones and have technology. The whole entire thing is that they don't know is is an assumption which we know to be probably mostly false and that, that's in the very high end. You know, sex education really doesn't do anything. It's 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 a pointless thing. There's no proof that it that it that it works. In fact, there's some other proof that if that that it it's it actually works the other way around. The the more you have sexuation, the worse the actual problem what is this gets. Proof, Big Bird. It it came from a study called uh, soci- socio sociological learning, I believe. If I if I I haven't I don't have it on me now. I'll look at it if you would like. But it basically says that it, the methodology works is that if you were to tell somebody that they can't do something, they're more likely to do it. And this was proven when it when it came to underage drinking, where the more they told people who were underage that they couldn't drink, the more they did it, and you, you could tell that it was a it was a it was reality was that the people who the people who weren't allowed to drink alcohol who were underage drank a multi like a lot more alcohol than people who were allowed to drink. For instance, they would go over to a friend's house and drink and drink much more monthly than those who weren't allowed to drink, which is 
a, I would say a, lib, a more libertarian argument because libertarians tend because it, it works on the basis that people are going to re, it's a rebellion thesis basically saying that if you try to restrict someone's freedom they'll they'll rebel against it in that sense despite if it's right or wrong or that just modern culture as it is now it's just what they've it's what what they've they've shown well um so that was okay so i don't know what to say about the sex education part for that because it's something that i have not educated myself on specifically that sex education has the opposite effect of working I've never heard that before, but I'm not going to speak on that because I just, I have nothing to say. But going back to um, Black Lives Matter and talking about the disparity in education that Black people face in this country. Yeah, charter schools have proven to be more successful in terms of getting those higher scores and graduation rates. But that doesn't change the fact that you still need to have the, those good schools in the majority of lower income neighborhoods. And the reality is that there is a lot of redlining happening in a lot of neighborhoods in this country. Um, and so the, the nice uh, charter, nicely funded public schools are not usually in these lower income neighborhoods where black people tend to be in or minorities. And so, yes, they can work as well as they want to. They can be the best schools in the country and be absolutely free. But if they're not in the neighborhoods and if redlining is still something that is done all the time that basically creates a form of segregation that is legal, then you're going to keep saying the same thing. You're going to keep seeing people of, cutter, people of color, I'm sorry, getting a lower quality, a lower quality education and therefore, for obvious reasons, not succeeding as well. And of course, there are you can find a lot of examples of people who can break this mold and who go on and are very successful regardless of the color of their skin or probably in spite of the color of their skin or their sexuality or whatnot. That doesn't change the fact that there is this massive issue. If you're not putting the nice schools and these and transportation, public transportation, if there's no public transportation, if these people don't have cars or they don't have access to a phone or a library or something like that, then they're just not going to get the same quality of education. And it does happen more towards people of color because of redlining. Well, I would like to add to that statement that when you bring up the charter school not being built in a poor neighborhood, it's, it's due for another factor. It's that a lot of times when there's a charter school that's going to be there, they, they try to stop it from being built because they don't want to interfere with the public school. It's been... It's been shown from many anecdotal or just other things. A lot of the higher-ups, which they be Democrats, mostly, I'm not, are, don't want charter schools. They want them to be abolished. If you look at what happens um, in California, they're looking at abolishing, uh, they're looking at abolishing uh, charter schools. It's, it's, a, it's a serious issue that like, something that's so useful will disappear. Not because they, can't, they don't have the money for it, Look at a state like New York. It spends a lot of money on its students. Yet their students, despite being having so much money being put into them, are some of the lowest scoring people in the country. It's that's just a fact. You know, if you, you a lot of people keep preaching about we need to put more money in the education system. But 
It doesn't matter how much money you put in. The people in power aren't like, aren't opening up those charter schools in your district because you know you voted them in, and they're gonna they're gonna act on their interests. This is it, all this money is going into uh, going into education. Just goes into the teachers unions and disappear. A lot. The teacher union in New York is one of one of the examples that Thomas Sowell gives, where there are people who work in the teacher unions that, that just sit in chairs because who just sit in chairs and do nothing because it's so hard to fire a teacher once you hire them as that they've just given up on them and that you have these barriers of it of what it is a low skilled job you know a teacher's a a teacher is a low skilled job at the end of the day it's an important one but so is a lot of other low-skilled jobs, i.e. a coal miner and a factory worker. We, a lot of these teachers, well, I've been in public schools before. This is an anecdote, but you could, you could take it with, with a grain of salt all you like. But you know, I've, been, I've been in public schools, and I've met some good teachers there, but I've met plenty of bad ones. And you can tell because of the, of the way the school is set up and such that they don't really get penalized for having a student fail. And if you and it, it turns more, less into a school and more into a daycare, daycare, despite how much money you put into it, because there is no consequence of having a student fail. There's a hope that he might wake up and realize what he's doing, but in reality, there's he's not he's not going to do it. Like a lot, of, a lot of them just won't do it. This is regardless of them being black, Hispanic, or white, or Asian. A, a public school is just a dead zone for plenty of people. And it's it's even more of a dead zone when you know you you in, you introduce a decaying society as in America, as uh, you can read in like Bowling Alone, which is or you can read about in uh, the 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 death the end of the West. So Big Bird, you keep referring to uh, the 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 end of the West or uh, the the degradation of. Uh, the U.S. Now, what 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 specifically do you mean by that? Because you haven't had much specification in that area. Okay, so what what I'm pull, my my source I'm pulling from is a book the book made by a by a conservative politician. It's called Suicide of the West. Now there are plenty of books that have been written about this or Bowling Alone. Bowling Alone is talking about how we are slowly losing all the social values that we used to have. I.e., people are now eating by themselves more. Uh, there's there's a growing population of men, at, and who are just not working. There are more. There was more men working, at the percentage wise. Percentage wise, right? There's more when men working at the Great Depression than there is nowadays. At the Great Depression at its peak, eighty six percent of people were, of men were employed. Nowadays, it's eighty four percent. So we have to really keep that in mind about how about how where society is going and what what or some of our problems are because there are racial problems but th- that's looking at it through an isolation thing like that but we also have a movement of marxists cuz a black lives matter who have confirmed themselves to be marxists who have always marxism has always been a thorn in the US side the US has always had to deal with marxist groups it's always been a thorn in its side because we let, we tend to let in plenty of propaganda into this country, or just we tend to we tend to let them in, and they do what they do what they want, and they take over the education system, which is why they're so effective at it. So, uh, when and this is true, 
uh, what Big Bird said. Many, many Marxist group exist. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement, one of the leaders um, had, had said that she herself was a trained Marxist. So what I have to say to that is, uh, Damari, how do you feel about Black Lives Matter being an indefinitely Marxist? Indefinitely is not the word I'd use. But for the most part, it is very confirmed state that uh, some leaders and many supporters of Black Lives Matter, the movement itself, are Marxist, you know, very, yeah, um, as you want to call it. How, what does that make you feel? What, is, what, what are you going to do with that information? Are you well, yourself a Marxist? No, well, I personally am not. But I think, and I, obviously, the Black Lives Matter movement within itself is a Marxist um, idea. It is, in, with, like, in its most simple nature, but I do genuinely believe, as do the majority, because I can attest to the fact that the majority of uh, people who are Black Lives Matter supporters are probably not Marxist. Um, because the reality of what Black Lives Matter tries to do is that it mostly just, it does um, act in a lot of protests around the country, obviously, as, as we've seen a lot recently, following the death of George Floyd. But what it does more than anything is it raises money to um, try to fund um, investigations, to try to fund uh, the reopening of cases, to try to get attention, um, in particular right now, to police brutality cases that go with no one ending up in jail, try to bring awareness to the fact that this country is and obviously always has been and still is inherently racist because it has a lot of racist people in its government and so i do um believe that the movement itself has grown much larger than its own leaders um in terms that it's something that so many americans and even people around the world have kind of taken in their hearts and we move it forward as a way of attaining justice justice for all the black people who are killed um such in such violent ways who their murderers face no consequences whether they be police officers whether they be just other regular citizens and i think that is the main effort of black lives matter and the most important part of it well i would like to say that the idea of that well, America is an inherently white supremacist country. We have to really understand. No, that's not what she said. I mean, not white supremacist, racist. My bad. She said racist. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I, mis- I misquoted, but I'm still going to say the same point. Her idea that America is an inherently racist country. It needs to understand at the point that what makes America so racist? Because we have to realize that if it's so racist and so bad, why do we have so many people who are from a non-white ethnic group? coming into the United States. Are we, the, are we so racist that we let them in? It doesn't really make sense. We've let in so many people who are from non-white, non-white countries, such as Mexico and all of Latin America, that, the, that if you are under the age of 16 in America, you are a, you are a, if you're a white person under the age of 16 in America, you are a minority. We've made, is that, does that sound like a racist country to you? Well, I don't... I mean- I don't I don't see how that is. Well, racism isn't something that's very black or white. I mean, racism isn't just like, hi, you know, people don't just go, hi, I'm racist. I never want to see a person of color ever again. No, it's something that can be very subtle. But even that subtlety 
it being anywhere in our government and our places of work is a massive, massive issue. The reason that we're racist is because, you know, our founding fathers were racist. And obviously it was different times and that will always be a really important thing to factor in the context of the past. But that doesn't change the fact that it was built with this country was built by people who were racist because they did okay, not respect but... people of color. And that racism continues because we well, you know what happened after that. They elected people to office who were racist. Even today, let, me, let me catch let me catch you on this point. Government. Let me catch you on this point. By that standard, what country in the world isn't racist? I mean, that's not really the issue we're talking about. This, it is but, an issue because you're but you're holding America. Country, you're holding. No, go ahead. You're, you're holding America to an impossible standard. You're saying that it's a racist country. What country isn't racist well, by yeah, that standard? It was racist in its beginning, as were a lot of countries. As were every a lot country, of country, every, every country. country by that standard. But every then, single country is racist. Every single one. There's not one that you can you can point to and be like, "That's not a racist country." Every single country, the way you've described America, by that logic, every single country is racist. Well, Name actually, me one I that need isn't. To finish my description. So. No, but you've but. You have to, but we are the most ethnically, ethnically diverse country in the world. Only country that comes closer to Brazil. That does not. Okay, of every country being racist is not um, a free pass for this country being racist. I mean, I'm not debating on other countries right now. If I would, I'd be just as angry about them. So it doesn't really change anything. However, in this country right now, even again, yes, our founding fathers were racist, and we were built on those ideals. Yes, but this country did not take the steps necessary to kind of wash itself away from all of that racism. Because even now in our government, you still have countless officials who, oh, wow, uh, 10 years ago they did blackface or they actually said the N-word or redlining within itself. Like, it's just there's so much racism and racism isn't just I don't like black people. I don't like people of color. It's very subtle. It's in um making how do i say it it's in, okay redlining is just the thing that's coming to my head right now it's in redlining it's in putting uh places to vote away from low-income neighborhoods where the majority of people are people of color that is racism um it doesn't just have to be like oh we hate black people and like forget about the civil rights acts no it's it can be very subtle but any impact of it is bad and i think the argument that other countries are racist as well is not an excuse because, yeah, we should fix that. That's a massive, massive, massive problem. But in this country, the reality is that, for example, um, with the Confederate flags and all this controversy about Confederate buildings being up and being celebrated and a lot of people saying that that is history, that is Americans honoring their past. Okay, if it's not racist to do something like that. I mean, we're honoring traitors, I guess, so go off. But you don't see countries like Germany having buildings of Hitler um, in their things. Not that Robert E. Lee, for example, is like the same as Hitler, but it's a part of our past that was wrong, that was incorrect, that we as Americans are ashamed of. And yet we give them everything you have a lot of uh mostly republican politicians who are not for uh tearing down these buildings that represent traitors and racist people and if it's about history then why don't like 
other countries don't do it. And they again, do. obviously, I mean, fine, but that doesn't take away from the issue. You again, you don't see Germany having buildings for Hitler or Nazi they, because they had buildings for the communists. The communists occupied Eastern Germany to have the statues up, despite them raping them. And isn't that wrong? Isn't that incorrect? Well, what's the reason? Why, why do they have them up? They have them up for historical reasons to remember. If, for instance, if you look at ISIS, ISIS blew up its blew up ancient civilizations, statues. Those are history lost. If, as I, I like to listen to George Orwell, who would state that, you, not, who would who would I'm paraphrasing from because I don't know the exact quote. But it's better, it's better to remember the history than to erase it and repeat it again. Something along those lines. And that's a, that's a better way of thinking about it. Because you said before that America didn't do enough to erase its, its sins from what it had done. Uh, that being slavery. But we, did, but we fought a war. One of, the only, one of the only wars that ever fought over slavery. And we, we did it to end it. The only other country to do that was Britain. Where they ended slavery in Africa going to all African nations and abolishing it. That's a lot of, that's a lot of effort to do. And that's a lot of dead men that, peop- that, that the North lost. So to say that America didn't do enough, t- by the logic you're saying, there's never, it's never enough, no matter how much we do it, no how much you try. Because- now, now, Big Bird, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you for one second. You say that the Union, I, I assume you're talking in reference to the Union, to the American Civil War. Uh, mm-hmm. fought for uh, the the abolishment of slavery. Well, no, they fought. Not, not in, they didn't fight. They fought. The war that they fought eventually ended slavery. But then the, uh, the abolitionists, who were heads of the government, went along to basically completely abolish it because they were the radicals that did it. They were, because if you look at the... If you were to look at the actual uh, war, depending on which social group, on the, on the higher-ups... On the political side, it was about slavery mostly. And if you were to go into the more local side, it was more about states' rights and family ties. Because most, like for instance, most, a lot of the Confederate soldiers in the South were, were around 15 to 14. Because it was because they were told that they should fight because of family heritage. You know, they didn't really care. Most of them didn't own slaves. They just did it for family heritage. Which, you know, they fought for a they fought for a a losing side for a shitty cause, it happens, you know. I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not justifying the Confederacy, you know. But I, but they have the right to say what they want, you know. If you, the more you fight it, the strong, the more the the stronger they feel, and more inclined they feel to be openly supportive of it, supportive of it. It's it's a, it's a, it's a it sounds like a paradox, but it's true. It's been proven time and time again. The more you attack someone's beliefs in such a uh, manner of tearing down their statues the more the more the more resentful they will feel it's well, not a good way of going around about it plus if you look at um look at mongolia for instance mongolia has a giant golden statue of genghis khan genghis khan was a mass murdered hundreds and thousands of people and he is a giant statue of him he's, he's had he's, he's raped and had sex with multiple women they're, they they have a giant statue. They're not turning that down anytime soon. In fact, he's a, he's a sign. He's a he's a symbol of pride in that country. Why they? So when you talk about us turning down our statues, our statues are there. So we so there won't be a, so the South can be happy and we can get back to normal. The whole entire point of the Civil War was to control the Union 
And one of the ways to control the union, the North thought, was to abolish slavery because it was too much of a, too much of a hassle eventually in the end. Then how do you feel about um, people constantly waving up Confederate flags and just having them there as decor and as something that honors them? I mean, that's not a statue. That's not like this. Well, the Confederate, a- stat- the Confederate statue, became- the reason why they hang up that flag and the reason why it became a popular thing back in the day is because during World War II or, War- or World War One, the way they the way they differentiated between the Northerners and the Southerners is that the Southerners would raise a Confederate flag because what happened was is that they uh, when they would fight when they would fight they they didn't know they didn't know what to differentiate between the two groups so they would just so they would fly a Confederate flag and able to show that plus the, when when you when you hear about a Confederate talking about oh I I I'm happy for my Confederate answers. The Confederate ancestors and them have very different views on what on what the Confederacy was. The whenever someone raises the Confederate flag, it's um, it it it's it's a symbol of regional pride because the South is it and that tends to happen with people who who have that because the poor and the poor tend to be very prideful in what they have. The South has some of the poorest states. Looking at Missouri, which is the poorest state in the country. So to have this sort of pride in itself is just what happens. I mean, look at people who raise communist flags in college campuses, you know. It's freedom of speech. It's, it's allowed. They can say what they want. They're not, they're, it's, it's, not hurting, it's not really hurting anybody unless it's a call to action. Well, I think we got a little off. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, I think we got okay. a little off track from, from Black Lives Matter, the movement. Um, Everything's tied, I guess. Tied together, I guess. No, indefinitely. But uh, to to give it to the quick note, if you will, uh, Black Lives Matter, the movement, is clearly sparing up a lot of political um, bipartisanship. It's digging it up, as you can see, um, with the upcoming election, which surely we should talk about soon. But... Um, uh, so my question right now would be, how would you imagine that the Black Lives Matter movement is going to shift the election? Because uh, you hear a lot of talk of obviously so many people support it. It's going to shift the vote left. And then you hear a lot more talk, especially of recent, uh, of people who are kind of in the middle, leaning right, leaning left, whatever they may call themselves. Uh, just so disgusted by a lot of what early ha- what happened in the early um, protestings, uh, protestings, I'm sorry, the protesters a lot of the times right, especially early on, we saw many documentation of this, regardless of who started it, mind you. Uh, clearly, a lot of people were averse by that. And they're so my question again would be, where do you think the, the political vote is leaning due to the current Black Lives Matter protest? Well, I, for one, I think Definitely, Black Lives Matter is going to um, have an impact on the election for sure. This election was always going to be left to the people in the middle, though, because what we can see is that people who are Trump supporters are still Trump supporters for the most part, and people who weren't, for the most part, still aren't. So that has remained pretty much unchanged. However, it's the people in the middle who either aren't really into politics that much or independent or whatnot um, that are going to shift the election. And I, I do think 
that if anything, I, I, I do think it can go both ways. It can either um, kind of turn people off of voting left because uh, Democratic uh, politicians have kind of embraced the Black Lives Matter movement. But it can also spew people who were in the middle to the left who were like, oh, hey, this is actually a really big issue that I think is really important. So if anything, I just think that it's going to I think it's going to even itself out again. And I don't think that even though it will have an impact on like the individual voters, I don't think that it will in total have a massive impact on the outcome of the election. However, actually, sorry, I'm so sorry. (laughs) But I just thought of something else. It might, because of the chaos that it has created, and a lot of people are scared, it might actually turn people towards Biden, I think, because people, I mean, obviously, my opinion is always going to be viewed because I am a Democrat. But um, a lot of people are very disappointed with the way that Trump dealt with it, because he did kind of hide out in the White House at the beginning. Um, and then sent in more military, more police throughout the protests across the country, which is something that a lot of people did not want. And if anything, created more violence um, in protests that were already about 80% peaceful because the minority of them were the ones that were violent. So actually, I, uh, I take back what I said previously, and I say that if anything, It'll push more people towards Biden because he is so moderate already, um, but not, I don't think, by a big, big margin. Big Bird? For me, personally, I think it's going to lead more people to, re- to vote right wing because if you were to look at the history of rioting, every single time there's been a riot, whether it's the LA riots, Miami riots, or the riots that happened after Martin Luther King's death, whatever county had a riot that was major like that, they always elected a Republican after such riot. It's always been a thing. Now, if you were to look... Now, we don't live in the same America that we lived back then. Again, I already mentioned demographic changes. 2020 is going to have Texas as a battleground state. The more and more... If Trump's smart enough, he'll, he has, he'll have to stop immigration from, any, from places such as Latin America because of the, the abundance of people we have from there. Because we, cause if you look at like America as a whole... We the way the way those right the way that the rights have affected people that they've scared them they they've gone out and bought guns and not all guns I'm not gonna say there was a huge spike in gun buys especially in new in new voters but especially in the people who have bought them but rights have always led to a right a, a right wing vote especially after the death of Martin Luther King the country went from Lyndon B Johnson to Nixon to give to perspective so. So when you look at when you look at that, people are are scared, are worried about the rights. That you know, it's something. If you that's something that even uh, Hillary Clinton's former uh, campaign advisor talked about openly on Twitter, and he was shunned for mentioning it. But that, but such a thing will lead right, will lead to more right wing vote. Now, no, go ahead. Sorry. Now I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Now I'm a pessimist. I'm and I and I vote for Republicans because I, I have to. You know, I'm not. I I I tend to think the Republicans are cowards, kind of weak, not really doing much, because I I also know that Trump himself is not really the most right wing guy. It's just what we have. You know, it's mm-hmm. I'm not. 
I can list several things I don't like about Trump, but I'm not going to say he's a horrible president, you know. I think, but but if you were to look at Joe Biden, he's obviously not at all the level of Trump. And basically, if you're voting for Biden, you're voting for him because he's a, because you don't want to vote, because you don't like Trump. Biden has been shown to me the political hack, especially when he went, when he ran for president back in, uh, I believe, the 80s, in which he was shown to be plagiarizing speeches, and he was mocked constantly for it. Or... His whole, his whole entire ability of not being able to speak and speaking and saying and slowing his words, which I'm, it's not something I'm going to mock him for, but it just shows that he doesn't really have the charisma someone like Bernie did, especially after what, especially after burning Bernie twice and people getting mad over it. Bernie, Bernie would have been the, the guy to give Trump a run for his money. But Biden's not a moderate. He's talked about taking away guns before. That's something that won't bring right brainers to him. He's talked about demographic changes, which spooks a lot of people. Because he said that it's a he says that eventually we're all gonna be a, a white minority country. He says that's a great thing. It's, and that's a very odd statement to say, especially that majority of people in your country are that and you know. We all know that once once that sort of happens, that there's no going back from that because you know that's just a state of politics. We know that we we know that the from a book that was written by a, a man named Minzler, I believe his name was. The book was called "Democracy: the, the God That Failed." That people don't really debate on facts; they debate on how how who they are. And it's really about tribalism. That's why the tribalism in America is spraying back up again. Now that, like I said, it's, it's becoming less about what do you believe and who you are in society. So, yes, the, Trump will win 2020, but my, I'm a pessimist. And we all know that by 2024 and 2028, it's going to be all Democratic run. So, so I if know. I were to, I'm sorry, finish. That's my, that's that's what I'm saying, by by the way it's going in now because we have like thirty million Amer- thirty million Mexicans. I'm just saying Mexicans. There's a lot of Mexicans in the United States. That's undeniable. They are they are a super they are a super minority. They're bigger than the blacks. Super minority makes it sound like they're smaller. They're, they're a very big minority. They're huge, man. Like there's like there's thirty million that we know that are here, and they've estimated that there are twenty. Million, they're illegal. That's fifty million people. That's just a Sp- that's just Mexicans. Imagine the rest of the Hispanics put together. So, if you were to, so as you said, uh, you think this election is going to swing right, but you it's going to swing right for now. But if yeah, I'm, I'm if you're not, saying if, that it's going to swing right, and then it's going but, to never you know, swing right for, for quite a while. Yeah, no, as no, as I'm, as as a lot of people who are smart enough put it is that it's the whole, I don't I think the Democrats. The Democrats have like sowed the seeds for the eventual win later, later in like their elections. You get like twenty twenty isn't twenty twenty isn't their goal. Twenty twenty four and twenty twenty eight, which is what people like Stacey Abrams, senator, the senator of uh, Georgia, has said. You know, they've they've kind of let they're kind of just letting Trump go do what he does. There's nothing. There's nothing we uh, people can really do. No, that was a lot of information thrown at us by Big Bird. So, uh, 
the the assumption he brought up uh, is that it's going to swing right, and it's not going to swing right for another nine time. He's saying that the seeds the Democrats sown were, correct me if I'm wrong, immigration, correct? Yeah, immigration, because that's because many, immigration many and welfare state. Many immigration Mexicans and welfare state. As I said, like yeah, I forgot to mention that in the book of Democracy the God Failed, the man that made the book basically said that democracy has two Achilles heels: buying the vote and importing the vote. And that's what Democrats both do, and they both do it great. And they do it both great. Using welfare and immigration. Yeah, because who's going to vote against that? Well, people do, but I understand. Yeah, people do, I, I, I but it's a, it's a but like you have you have votes you have votes in your pocket. There's no, there's there's you can just run away with the vote at this point. But I I think Republicans just don't push hard enough on those points. That's a lot of information thrown at us now. Yeah, Mari, what do you? What would but you, you said about oh, what do you feel about the results? And I'm like, I'm skeptical because Texas is a battleground state. Yeah, Texas, it's a purple state. I'm, you you took what I said and you ran a whole mile with it. I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah, that. because <laughs> it because people were like, oh, Texas won't go blue. It's like it's right there. Shut up, you're lying. You're coping. It's I see. <laughs> we see it. We see it blue. We can all see it. We can all see it like purple, and it is. It's like it. What's what happened to Virginia and California? California used to be a giant red state. Now it's deep blue. Virginia's turning deep blue. Why do you think? All right. Well, Damari, what do you say to to all that about the? She election? was laughing. She was happy. <laughs> um. Well, <laughs> I have a couple things to say. Well, kind of going back to when he first started talking to um, about the fact that he thinks it'll swing right because usually after riots and things like this we usually do vote right and yeah the example of mlk after um, the death of mlk we had nixon but i don't think that's that much of a foolproof foolproof theory because i think when you look at a little further a little more in the in the future from the 60s to the 90s and you look at the presidency of george hw bush i think that it's very similar to what's happening now, even though I, um, I also agree that what's happening now is very similar to 1968. It's also very similar to the, to the 90s in that election because you had George H.W. Bush, who was a, obviously a Republican. His economy was pretty good. Um, but the reason or one of the reasons that's most attributed for him having lost the election um, to Bill Clinton is because the 90s was a time of also a lot of racial tensions and a lot of riots on the streets and a lot of marches, maybe not with the specific names that we know now, like Black Lives Matter. Um, but it was definitely the same idea. And one of the reasons, one of the main reasons attributed to George H.W. Bush's loss is because he couldn't do much with these racial tensions. He wasn't, um, he wasn't a president who was super known for his um, passion for civil rights or anything like that. Neither was Reagan who was right before him um, and Bush was his vice president. And so I think that even though I understand why you, you're, you think or why your theory um, is that it'll lean right because of that, I think that it's just not as foolproof as it might seem because th- there has been another instance where racial tensions push the country to a Democrat. And then also when you said that, um, that people who are voting for Biden – aren't voting for Biden because they like Biden because they don't like Trump. Uh, I don't think many Democrats would disagree with you on that, to be honest. I mean, you said that you've been disappointed by the Republican leadership, as have I. 
as have I been disappointed deeply with democratic leadership um, over the years. It's something that I think is just natural when you have strong beliefs, you're never going to have a party that's going to fully, fully keep their promises and just always align with what they say. But I mean, I think think for a lot of Democrats, because I can't, obviously I can't speak for Republicans, but I can speak for Democrats and say that Biden was definitely not our first choice. We, I don't feel passionately about him at all. I think that there are a lot of faults to him. Um, I do. I like, am I going to vote for him? Of course. Um, Because I just, I, if I have to align my views somewhere, it, it does fall on his shoulders but it's he's definitely yeah like i agree with you like bernie definitely would have been a very interesting candidate to see go against trump and i think trump would have been nervous to debate bernie more than he is for joe biden if they ever even debate because who knows at this point yeah but i mean also i think that if bernie had been the democratic nominee um as much support even though he had a lot of young support and a lot of support from the Democratic Party, he is too openly, he's too liberal and too open about it for the people in the middle to have ever swung to him. And I think that we have a, like, I think the Democratic Party has a better chance of winning with Biden than they would have had with Bernie because of the fact that even though now Biden pretends to be a little bit more liberal than he actually is just so he can get the votes of people who don't want to vote for him, who are Democrat, he is at the end of the day, moderate and his past, his political career has been Democrat and like more liberal than a Republican, of course, because he's a Democrat, but pretty moderate. And so I think that I want, I want to clarify something. What would you consider to be moderate because or liberal conservative, because you, you tell me that, uh, He's 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 a moderate, he's a moderate, but and he's pretending to be a liberal, but I see him as something that lip that he tends to have like policies that are liberal, like but what a lot of liberals tend to see what a lot of liberals tend to see as a as a as a uh, stance for a liberal candidate to have such as gun gun restrictions, you know. Well, the Democratic... Oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. But the Democratic Party has, of course, something that we can all agree on, has definitely turned more left than it had been in the past. Um, But when I talk about liberal and, like, moderate in the Democratic Party, usually what I'm... I'm just... I'm comparing Biden to Bernie just because they were the two frontrunners for so long. And there was a point where we re- where it really seemed that Bernie was going to be the one to get the nomination. Um, so my compare, like me saying that is just like, uh, like piggybacking off of Sanders and Bernie and like his stances on things. And when you compare the two, yeah, uh, Joe Biden is pretty moderate next to Bernie Sanders. Is he full... Is he fully for gun control? Yes. But I think that's also something that you would be very hard pressed to find any Democrat, especially any Democrat in office or who's had office recently, who would say no to that. I mean, that's a pretty dem- like in the Democrat part in the Democratic Party. It's a pretty universal stance to have. It is actually quite uh, funny. You, you mentioned how the Democrat Party has leaned more left uh, in the coming years. There's a study. I have it up here in front of me, a study by the Pew Research Center. Uh, you can find this on their fact tank uh, section of their website that says, as of 2019, uh, 65% of Democrats 
in uh, lean towards socialism. 51% are somewhat positive and 14% are very positive out of that 65%. While only 33% are negative towards socialism. Now, uh, this, this extreme, I wouldn't, however you would like to phrase it, in, in, in American history, this is a very extreme shift towards a, a left-wing ideology. Uh, and it's seen with uh, Biden. I'm sorry, not Biden, Bernie. Many yeah. people were voting for Bernie. Many people were supporting Bernie, I meant to say. He was leading in the polls for quite a bit. And then uh, late stage, Biden took the run. So what I would mm-hmm. say to that is that shift in the Democrat Party from a legitimately liberal party to a more commonly socialist party, which is that has anything to do with the up-and-coming Marxist movements such as Black Lives Matter. Was that well, not, question was that referred to is someone? It, is it just for me? Or? This this is a very uh, general question. Either either can speak on it. Uh, I guess I'll start. Well, it's kind of obvious to show that Democrats have been moving left. I think I think what happened. It's I think it's a very understandable thing they're moving left because I'm not saying that I agree with the policy. I I truly don't. I'm, I I believe that capitalism is superior, is a superior system to socialism. Is it a perfect system? No. Just like any system, you can find any flaws into it, but you can't tell me that ca- a, cap- a capitalist system is anywhere be- is is anywhere comparable to a socialist system. It's you. We can look at data, or well, not just data, but we can just look at anywhere where capitalism has been. I know it's a t- I know it's a rampant talking point, but where you see a capitalist system, you see a system that has an has an has an ex- excess amount of resources, or if you look at a social system, it has, has a deep, it has a very poor amount of resources to have. You can look at Zimbabwe as a great example. Zimbabwe, under the British rule, was a uh, was known as a breadbasket of Africa, and then it elected a uh, Marxist Marxist official who basically turned a breadbasket country into a country that was starving. Now, to explain why such a idea is spreading to the u.s it's simple you can look at colleges there are more co- there are more college professors that describe themselves as marxism than republican because the mark because marxism has always been uh something that intellectuals favored whether you look at the frankfurt school or you look at institutions such as the one on the west coast of the united states as in california or berkeley you can look at them and see that every single every single university has a um, Marcus leaning because it's something that a lot of intellectuals believe in because it we like I said before in in, in the social decay social decay of the United States we've basically secular secular secularized secular you know, secular I have I have a retainer on so I can't do the L but we basically made the United States and a lot of its cultural values secular and the way a lot of people make the a lot of way a way, a way people turn a previous culture and secular is a lot of Marxist roots. You can look at a lot of people that have uh, looked into it and saw, and saw communism as a way to go through a way to uh, better themselves. Because if you look at communism, it preaches about utopianism, which is something that I completely disagree with. Utopianism is a false belief. This idea that you, you can make a perfect society is false. You just can't. Every society, just like every person, is is flawed, and there's a lot of deep flaws in everything. Depending, no matter where you look, 
for instance, uh, a lot of people say that America's racist. Every country's racist. You can't. You, every country is racist based on that I, I, idea. Every country has done something racist. But if you were to scale the United States to other countries, you would see that the United States is one of the least racist countries. And at the end of the day, there's, there's not much you can do because you're not going to go around and change people's opinions. People are going to have negative opinions on different groups of people. And to, and to have this utopian idea of socialism to go around, it makes sense. It's what people are taught in schools. And you can look at the Weather Underground or whatever uh, college-born communist group you want to look at. They all, ha- they all have those that, that light in their eye that they're going to make the utopia happen. Look at Chaz. Perfect example. Or the one that's forming in New York. New York. Well, Damari, what would you say to that? That was, that was quite a lot of information thrown at you again. Um, so, yeah, one of the most interesting things about this country is that we are a mixed market and there, there is a lot of examples of um, parts or forms of government other than capitalism working in. The most recent and obvious example that I can think of are the stimulus checks that um, a lot of Americans got not that long ago due to the coronavirus lockdowns and due to a lot of people struggling financially. Um, that is a very socialist thing. And I sort of like what Big Bird mentioned earlier was that um, you said that um, when Trump, if Trump wins this one, that it's fine because there have been seeds put in that will lead to Democrats winning later on in 2024 and 2028. And that just speaks so much of um, the the importance of, of, of us having a country that is regularly kind of flowing back and forth. So even when we have Republicans in power for a while, we know that we're going to switch to Democrats eventually because that's just the way that our democracy works and that's just the natural flow of things. And I think that even though, yes, we are mostly capitalist, I think that I agree with you that capitalism has a lot of flaws because it does, of course. Um, but I do think that it is important every once in a while to kind of shift a little bit more to one side. I think we've been um, strong capitalists for, again, knowing that it's a mixed market and that saying just one is not real and not the correct thing to say, but just for the, the sake of this particular argument. But I do think that in this, I'm not, saying that we need a utopia because obviously I'm not a communist so that's not what I'm saying because I also don't believe in that and I think it's ridiculous but I understand why there's been this massive kind of leaning um, especially like how we were saying with movements like Black Lives Matter it's because capitalism we've kind of come into the final steps of the capitalism way and it's natural that people are starting to say hey like we should probably shift a little bit um so i just think that it at the end of the day it's just a natural occurrence i genuinely 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 do not think that we will um or at least not anytime soon be elect like i don't think that there was ever a shot of bernie sanders um winning the election i just wholeheartedly don't think that could have happened and if it would have i also wholeheartedly doubt that any of his more liberal policies would have gotten through Congress because 
I mean, you would just have to have like a mat, like, oh, I think you would have to have a pretty much universally socialist democratic party for that to happen or, or for a, a president like Bernie Sanders to kind of come out and have been extremely successful, which is also one of the reasons that I think that Bernie Sanders didn't end up getting the nomination because I think that it's something that a lot of, not all, but a lot of people can say like he could win office, but would he be able to pass much through Congress? Probably not because you still have a lot of um, less left leaning Democrats in office. And then you would have the entire Republican party to kind of get through. So I think it just comes from a natural wanting to shift the economy a little bit to kind of scoop up um, the po- like because there's so many people in the poverty line and just kind of but even if that were to happen which I think is doubtful but even if it were it would just it would shift back no questions asked all right so that was a lot of talk of the election a lot of uh, election talk many many things were said especially to future elections but mainly the 2020 election it's looking it's looking like a right swing vote i would say would you two agree yes yeah. mm. now but, i would like but like as as big bird has implied um you know that's not it's not the point the point the democrats want to do is put the seeds uh for their future wins beyond 2020 but a lot a large chunk of also what's going on one would imagine is the lockdown the current lockdown due to the pandemic COVID-19. And many people and many, many people attribute uh, COVID's lockdown and its uh, essential failures uh, comparative to other countries, since that's what we've been doing all podcasts, right? We want to compare ourselves to countries. America is not doing so great in terms of the COVID numbers and what we're showing. So that's obviously going to affect the, the election. Trump, Trump is not going to, is kind of taking a little flack on that. Uh, many people say he didn't handle it poor. He did handle it poorly, and that he will be facing quite the massive steep from this. So, what I would have to say is, how how do you two think uh, Donald Trump handled the COVID nineteen pandemic lockdown? Uh, yeah, I think Donald Trump has done a disastrous job at dealing with uh, the pandemic. Um, this has been evident from the very beginning. I think as soon as the clock strike 2020, we started to hear news about the coronavirus and it did for a while seem like a very distant threat. Um, but as it started to inch closer, I think with the first case being in Massachusetts, um, he just kept minimizing the severity of the issue, saying either that it wasn't a big deal and that it was fine or that it was totally under control and that he had it and it was totally, it was, everything was going to be okay. He even said at some point that he that we would be back open by Easter, which, of course, was a ridiculous thing to say because that, there was no way that was going to happen. Um, the numbers have just continuously, continuously, continuously increased. I think as of last night, um, there was about 4.5 million confirmed cases and over 155,000 deaths. Um, he refused to publicly promote wearing a face mask until July 20th after the the death, the number of deaths had already reached around 150K. Um, he still has not, in, like, wearing a mask has still not been enforced as a law. It has in, like, local governments, like right now here in our county, it is. You have, you, you can be um, fined up to $500 if you don't wear a mask. But even that took a long, long, long time. We are currently, um, we currently have the highest 
deaths than any other country of coronavirus. We are leading with the death. We have so many cases where he's trying to open schools back up, even though we are in absolutely no shape to do this. Um, he removed us uh, or he stopped consulting with the World Health Organization about the um, about the pandemic um his administration disbanded the executive branch team that was responsible for coordinating uh pandemic response team back in 2018 and then never replaced it i think it's clear that he just has not done a good job and he continues to say that he's fine and that those big numbers are fake and that they're not real but the reality is that there are people dying every day all across the country and quite frankly like it's a lot and as of July 29th, like I said, um, we're leading worldwide in COVID deaths with 155,000 or 155,000 is the one today, but we had 153 um, July 29th. And the second place is Brazil with 88,634 deaths, which is like 60,000 deaths less than us. So even the second place behind us is ridiculously high. So I think that there is just no way around it. Um, this has been a failure for the president, for his administration, for a lot of um, local government, for Florida in particular. I mean, what a disaster. Just completely, completely. It's just been a mess. And if anything, I think that if something is going to shift the election, it's going to be Trump's Trump's response to the coronavirus. If you would have asked me before coronavirus, I would have told you that Trump was going to win for sure. And that I, not because I wanted him to, but because that's just how I would have placed my bet. But you asked me now, and now I think that it is anyone's game because it's just, so I didn't you're expect changing your, that. You're changing your position on that? You're not saying it's going to lean hard right? You're thinking it's more... No, she well, said it leans well, somewhat right. I apologize. It's not going to lean right indefinitely? Was that to me? Oh, I didn't you're, hear you're, Sorry. You're kind of, you're kind of uh, this is not in the, because you're, you're implying that, you know, before, if COVID had, hadn't happened in that sense, that yeah. you uh, wouldn't have, you, you would have said that Trump would have won. Yes. Uh, without a, any dignation. But now you're saying that's not the case. So are yeah, you kind of changing your opinion here or? No, well, with the Black Lives Matter that we were asked previously, like how that was going to change the election, I stated that if anything, it was going to push it more to the left um Mm -hmm. but talking specifically with coronavirus like just alone as an isolated topic Mm -hmm. i think this as well will push voters to the left again not necessarily because they're massive fans of joe biden but because i think that it's just so many people have died and it's just kind of been this endless situation where we could have been to a certain extent back to normal by now but there has just been such a lack of enforcement. Um, a very, a very vote blue, vote blue, no matter who kind of situation. There, it's an yeah, anti team, not yeah. not a pro Biden. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I think that's the case for a lot of Democrats as well. Right, Big Bird. What did you have to say to the COVID law? Well, how Trump's handling? I would like to say that you know, c- controlling a virus is something that next to it's very hard to do. No, actually, no one's done. Now, I'm not gonna say he's he's done a perfect job. I'll be honest. There's a lot of people who are throwing conflicting evidence. They would say one thing and say another. A lot of news articles would say that COVID was not 
uh, impending issue, and then later would say is. For instance, my example would be Nancy Pelosi, who we have video of her and her proudly saying that, you know, come to Chinatown to open. Everyone should come, come to the Chinese New Year Festival. And then weeks after, would, would proclaim that it's very important to wear a mask and to uh, be careful of the COVID-19. Because most of the COVID, most of COVID, most of the people with COVID are in New York, vast majority. Of and, kids overall or cases being made? Because as far as I know, Florida would be leading in the cases being made currently. Well, yeah. okay. It started. Started in New York. And New York, again, would be like, was, was basically at one point the capital of it and the, and, the, and the whole entire center of it. Now, if you look at the COVID debt, now we look at where the COVID came from. COVID came from Europe. It didn't come from China. We blocked off China. Europe still had free... free Free uh, passages, basically, they would travel freely from one country to another. Free, and that was in Europe. Another thing, our death toll. Our te- our death toll needs needs to be looked at percentage wise. Percentage wise, is uh, it makes a different story completely because we are again third biggest population in the world. We're going to have more. We're going to have more case. We're going to have more deaths than places like the UK and Germany. The UK's population is around. 70 to 60 million. Germany's population around 80 million. So, of course, we're going to have, we're going to have uh, more deaths. We're just more people overall. And places like Brazil, it came later than usual. Plus, children, w- w- through th- studies of Norway, have shown that children don't pass COVID like, uh, like adults do. And places in Europe, they're opening up schools. Hence why Trump wants to open it up in here. And if you actually look at what the Democrats stated, they said that they were willing to open up schools if they closed down charter schools. So it doesn't sound like Democrats are are uh, very humanitarian in the situation. It feels like that they're just holding him at gunpoint. When did uh, a certain Democrat or a group of Democrats claim that they didn't want... Um all schools shut down for due to COVID. They just wanted charter schools shut down due to COVID. No, they said that they'd reopen, they would reopen them if they shut down charter schools. Who right. said that? Uh, yeah, that's what I'm asking. <sighs> Look it up, man. He sounds very disappointed by that. But with this COVID lockdown, uh, Damari, you yeah. understand the, I would imagine you would understand the, the, the wait, wait, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I've, I'm at a loss for word when I say this. The, the total amount of economic profit. I don't I don't have a current word for it. The potential for what could have been made is no longer there. Uh-huh. And has put many people, more people, into unemployment and a slightly smaller percentage of people into poverty. Mm-hmm. Which would be as far as I know, twenty six uh the part of that would be twenty six thousand your income being twenty six thousand dollars a year. So and below. Yeah. So Okay, it was um, teacher unions. It was who? Which teachers unions? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was also teacher and uh, schools can't can't reopen unless charter schools are shut down. Police have it funded. Yeah, it was this was in California. So California Democrats said that charter schools should be shut down and the police should be defunded so schools can open. This was in California. Well, it's just that's. I mean, 
yeah, he, he said that, but it's it's not like a universal, it's not the official stance of the majority of the Democratic Party. It's California. To, it's, it's to explain how big California is, one in five Americans are in California. That's a big population. And not yet, but California is a very strong, is very strongly, it's, it's a liberal center of the United States. Sorry, I, my thing cut off. I didn't hear what he said. Yeah, yeah. yeah we heard him. Okay, I'll, I'll say it again. I'm saying that one in five Americans are from California. They're the liberal. They're the head. They're the head of the the liberal head of the United States. They're they're like liberal. They're like the liberal state. They're the blue state. So if you so if you were to basically see where de- where the dem- where Democrats are heading, they're heading towards California because California is what they can whatever they can do freely. They have free reign in California. Republicans don't have that anywhere, any state like that, that has that much power and that has that much sway and that is that loyal to them. Texas used to be that, but it's not anymore, as we can see. Damar, what would you say oh, to that? Sorry, it cut off again. I just felt really bad saying that. I was hoping <laughs> you would talk so I didn't have to admit that it cut off again. Okay. What, what, what did you hear? Um, that the last thing I heard was that Repu- you said Republicans don't have that, and then it cut off. It's because my mom called me. I'm so sorry. Okay. Well, what happened was is that I'm saying that California is basically the head of the Democrat. Like it's a blue state. So whatever, 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 um, Democrats are 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 probably going to do later. They're probably gonna they're probably gonna use California as an example. That's that tends to be what they do because it's that's to say they can do whatever they please and. Well, as of right now, I know that like that's not like the the stance taken by most Democratic leaders. I will say that if that becomes the case and they're saying, um, shut down charter schools and then we will open we will open up schools, then I I mean I disagree, and that's just my personal opinion. I think that schools for the time being, just should be shut down. Not shut down, I'm sorry. should be uh, remote, virtual. Um, because I just think that the numbers aren't low enough. And even though, again, kids aren't the ones who are, like you said, passing it around as much as adults are, you still have adults going to school. There's The teachers are adults. There's staff. There's security guards. There's janitors. I just don't think that the means that that it's justified because... It's just too big of a risk right now. I think maybe a couple. I don't. I, do I think that it's gonna school is gonna end up being closed for the entirety of the next scholastic school year? No, I think that we will get better before then uh, because we just have to at this point, and I think that's just the natural way that things are gonna go. But that stance that you're saying there, I mean, I disagree with it. So, I mean, that's just my take. So a lot was said just now, lots of COVID talk. And, you know, prior to that, the election and the Black Lives Matter movement. So as this episode comes to a close, uh, let's say our final statement, shall we? Big Bird, may you go first. Well, if we were to look at the state of the United States, it's in, it's in a uh, state of decay. We can look at places like Chaz and uh, uh, the one that's happening in New York. That just shows that... How do I say the left? I wouldn't say Democrats because the Democrats are just 
a form of the left. I mean, the left, as in for the people who proclaim themselves to be communists and socialists and stuff like that, they're growing, they're more public, and they're more and they're more and they're more voracious about this, and they're going to basically spread because because this because America has has lost funda- its its most fundamental values. It's not really the 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 United States of the nineteen fifties. It's a completely different thing. It's a completely different country. And there's only going to be more of this happening. Though I do hope Trump wins. Not because I think Trump's a great president. I'm not gonna I'm not I know he's done he's done good. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain about it. Has he ha, could could he have pushed harder? Yes. On certain topics. Could he have not done some stuff like ban ban like crippled the e cigarette market? He shouldn't yeah, he I, yeah, he could have done that. But for the time being, and this is really going to, this, this next election is really going to show us who Trump really is. Because every president, first first um, four years, isn't their defining years. It's a four years after, I guess, the re-election that really defines them. Yeah. Because that's the year that they go all out, basically. Now they don't. Now it's usually in the it's usually in the latter two years because that's when they have that's when they have their uh, Senate seats set and that's when they can really push push it. But for the time being, um, I see Trump. I I see Trump possibly winning. Like I said, if you look at states like Virginia turning blue and Texas turning blue, it's only going to be uh, a more more common thing due to immigration. I really, I, I say, I don't say immigration as a sign of like, oh, uh, look at him. Like, I'm. This has been, this has been proven over and over and over again. It's not like me coming, pulling it out my ass. All right. Um, Beautiful. If you were, oh, you're not done. Uh, yeah. So, in the short term, Trump will win, but long term, we might not see another Republican president ever. You know. That's and that's really the death of democracy, just buying and importing your votes, because at the end of the day, the people that have been in this country forever that have, you know fought or died for it, that you know, that that's that's not where the that's not where the country's values and country's peoples come from, you know, they don't come from just walking across the border. It's more it's there's more there's more to an American than just a passport. Powerful closing words. All right. Damari, if you may. Um, yeah, so I have different overarching view of the country right now. I think that we are in very polarizing times, of course, unprecedented times. Of course, we've heard those words be used over and over again, especially recently. But at the end of the day, I I just I know that things are just going to keep moving forward. I, I'm not as confident that Trump will win. Not saying that I think for sure he's not going to win. I just, I still think that it's, I still think that whoever wins, a lot of people are going to be surprised just because it's, it is so crazy right now. But I think that we will continue to flip flop um, for decades to come. I think that for sure we will have an era of Democrat of like the Democrats leading America for a while. Um, but I think that, just the same it'll flip back and then it'll be republicans again i think that that's just the natural way of things in this country and it's something that is necessary and very beautiful 
in its way. I, but I do think that there's a lot to be done. I think that the coronavirus is going to linger on a little bit longer than we would have ever expected it to um, because of just not just and, you know, not just the president, but just a lot of local governments just not really taking it as seriously as they should have from the start. So I think that the coronavirus is going to linger for quite a while. And I still think that the election is very much up in the air. Um, again, it's just very complicated. But the future, I mean, I'm just less pessimistic than Big Bird, I think. I'm really just, pessimistic. <laughs> I think that the future, uh, regardless of how it's going to lean, will just we will find our way back to a stable America, just because we've seen instability, 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 I'm sorry, like this in the past, um, in the 90s, especially in the 60s. Um, it's not, this is not unheard of. Is It's a little bit crazy that it's just all these things are happening all at once. You know, we have the craziness of a pandemic um, mixed in at the same time as you're having, you know, marches and kind of like a, a reemergence of the civil rights movement that's always been here. But, you know, like it's, kind of in the front of our of the news again or it was a month ago but i think that at the end of the day we'll find our balance and we'll just continue to flip-flop back and forth between a republican country or a democrat country or maybe we'll there will be you know another political party that will come in and kind of make its way something that we don't expect but definitely we'll find our balance again i don't think that things are going to be like this for too much longer but it will happen again. It's just everything is just going to repeat itself. So, okay. I, I, I don't believe the idea of everything repeats. It can. It might. It might. It sometimes it just stays shift at some point. Not saying it won't get better, but yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not that type of person to think that. Oh, everything goes in cycles. At you, could, it could at any point break. The cycle could break, and it can just go off. It go off its own pattern. You know, I'm. I'm not an accelerationist. That's what the word was. There you go. Well, powerful closings, and well, thank you, Big River, for commenting on her closing for me. Uh, <laughs> this was political show on episode one. Thank you very much for listening. Follow us on Instagram, Real Political Showdown. You have, you have an Instagram? <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll hopefully see you next time.